this computer. Hey guys, Jennifer Hobbs here, your host of Celebrate the Struggle, where I have stepped into the unknown and got over all the fear of getting my own podcast so that I can have a place where other people can share their stories of struggle and triumph and perseverance. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with CJ Ives Lopez, who is the founder and host of um, Authors Porch Podcast and magazine jeez drop the mic there podcast and magazine (laughs) okay cj take it away let's hear about you where you come from and and how in the world you got to be in this place where you are now uh the founder and host of a magazine and a podcast yeah so i chalk it up to um basically just not knowing how to shut up very well (laughs) (laughs) i like it No, but, you know, I never in a thousand years thought I would be here because growing up, I grew up half in the country, half in the city. That makes me halfway nuts and halfway sane, I I call it, so (laughs) (laughs) certifiably a little bit, but no, and I never fit in anywhere. I graduated with a 1.7 GPA because I didn't care about school because nobody cared about me. At least I felt that way. My grandma raised me more than my parents did because they were too busy trying to get their shit together. Excuse me if I mm-hmm. can't. No, go for it. Bleep that out. Okay. <laughs> um, and my sister was too busy running around dating boys and getting into drugs. So I was on my own. You know, I stayed at home more times than I stayed with anybody. And at 10 years old, I remember getting $5 and saying, get your dinner because everybody was going to be gone for the night. And I, and this is why I still love McDonald's today. I went to McDonald's and I would play in the playland with my Happy Meal, you know, going on that little, you know, the little round thing that you, you yeah. would go real fast. Uh-huh. And I would walk up to McDonald's, you know, and I would get my McDonald's and I'd play there. And then I'd go home and I'd fall asleep until my grandma came home at seven in the morning with breakfast because she was my rock, you know? So, I mean, I never thought I'd be here. I thought I'd always be in this one bedroom place with my grandma because she was everything to me until at the age of 19, where I said, I can't be here anymore. Everybody yells, everybody screams, everybody fights. My sister's on drugs. My mom's drunk. My grandma is depressed and sad and everybody, all they do is yell at her and I wanted to give something back to her. So, so I left and I said, I this can't be all there is to life. So I joined the military and, you know, what is it today? The 10th? Yep. Two two days ago was my 25 year anniversary that I left home. So I spent 20 years in the Air Force and then I retired and couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life again and started writing books and didn't know how to shut up, still don't. Wow. Like when you start to, when you start to tell the story, I, you know, can't help just cause I'm human to like, feel like saddened, like, oh my God, this little 10 year old going to McDonald's. Like, and I could just see it all in my head. But then at the same time, I, you know, I see you right now talking to me on this podcast. And so it helps to take away some of that, like sympathy and to see how that those, that life, those struggles have brought you to this point and have um, shaped you into the person and the purpose that that you have so so you served in the military for 20 years and then 
uh, when was it, have you always liked to write? You, yeah, honestly, I look back and I, I say that and when I was in middle school, that there was, a, I wrote a short story and I put my heart and soul into it because I enjoyed it and I didn't really pay too much attention, but that moment in school, for some reason, a light went off and I took it and turned it in and my teacher said, this is really good. Mm. And it was the first time and she said, you should do this more. And it was the first time anyone had ever believed in me. And I thought, wow, like I, I was good at something. I mean, at home, I was told I was a fat, ugly, redheaded bitch because that's how everyone talked to them, talked to each other. That was, that was just our love language, I guess you right, would say, for right. lack of better words. And here was somebody saying that I was good at something. I thought, wow. And I look back and I was writing poetry and stuff as a teenager, but didn't know that it was poetry. I was writing short stories and there was always things in my head that stories were just happening in my head. Like, and I would daydream and something would happen. And, and in my head, I would continue the story. You know, I would play out a whole scenario. There'd be a whole book written in my head, but I never realized that I wanted to write. That was never something I realized was an option for me mm -hmm. because I just never got it in school. I never understood a lot of things in school and I didn't know why. And it was because I didn't find out until hell, until I was in my forties that I have ADD. Mm -hmm. So it didn't make sense why school just didn't make sense to me because I have these squirrel moments and I'm everywhere. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you by chance keep that uh, first piece that that teacher well, the first piece that someone recognized? No, actually, I didn't. But I do have the poetry that I wrote when I was a teenager. And I look mm -hmm. back and I'm like, oh, my God, I was so emo-like. <laughs> <laughs> it's all love poems, right? I'm like, uh -huh. oh, my heart, be still my heart, even though he loves you, even though it hurts. Uh -huh. And right beside the one you love, like, those are the actual words. I think I was 12. I was in love with this boy named Alex. <laughs> He anyway. sounds like a jerk. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. He was mad because I was a tomboy and I hit him over the head with a with a log and his eye busted and that was his eyes fault yeah, for what being a so sissy. sensitive. Like, Hello, my husband now would have hit me back with him, but like we're all together. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I didn't keep it. Um, we moved every six months because yep. my mom, she was a. She says, this is so funny. She says, I'm a, I wasn't an alcoholic. I was just a town drunk. And it's funny now, but looking back as a child, it, it wasn't funny, right? right? So I don't have childhood memorabilia because all that stuff every six months was thrown out to move to a new place. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't my grandma's fault. My mom would get us kicked out or she'd get in a fight with some boyfriend that she had. And I can remember at five and seven years old, my mom got into a fight with the man that she married after my father and my sister jumping on his back with a knife, trying to fight him off. And I, I sat in the corner curled up because that was kind of, that was my MO, you know, my sister was the fighter and I was the one who was like, oh God, what is happening? And he threw my sister across the room and that was the night my mom finally escaped him, you know? 
but that's kind of what my mom always did so and she would leave with us and leave all of our stuff behind and so we don't have childhood memories and all that mm -hmm. stuff I just had asked because I, when I was younger, um, I had won a young authors thing and I never kept that. And I, and I don't even know what I, I don't remember yeah. what I wrote about, but um, this is a crazy question, but I, I find that really interesting and creative how things would happen around you and in your head, like you would come up with a continuation of a story or an ending to what was happening. Did did your mind and your body do that with those um, devastating traumatic events? Yeah, I always separated from, and, you know, I always separated from every place that I was at. Like I would be physically here, but my mind was always somewhere else. And it was how I coped with life in general. And I think it was one of the main reasons why I survived all the trauma growing up, how I survived the stuff that I dealt with in the military, how I survived the domestic abuse from the kid's father um, and things like that. It, it, it was my coping mechanism. And I never realized that it was how I coped until I retired and there wasn't trauma around me anymore. And uh -huh. I had to sit and sit with it. And I was like, is I that when like you started world, writing? That's when I, yeah, that's when I started to publish my books. I retired in 2017 and 2018 was when I just started going at it. Like, and I couldn't stop. It was like, I were, I, since 2018 to now I have 22 books published. Wow. And I just, and I have so many folders of books. Oh yeah. It's like, I just Googled you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like all these stories, all these characters are like, I've been waiting. I'm not waiting anymore. Wow. Um, but, but I did have to go and talk to somebody because I, it was like this flood of emotions that I had stopped myself from having for a long time um, because I didn't know how to deal with it. So I separated myself from the situation. My mind went into, you know, going down this rabbit hole, the story or whatever. So I was yelling earlier. So I'm 15 year old boy right now. <laughs> um, but um but yeah, and I've got all these folders. I've got at least 20 to 30 folders of half-written stories. And I'm like, if I didn't have to do all this other stuff, which I don't have to, but I want to, um, if I didn't have all this other stuff to do, I would just write. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you typically write? Is it fiction? Everything. I've got um, 14 or 15 children's books. I've got two or three contemporary oh, romance. I, see I have a mindset a workbook to help people change their mindset to learn uh, how to change their habits and understand that their choices are the things that make their minds their their circle of influence mm -hmm. their choices those things uh, I'm writing a self-published uh, author's journal which is basically what a self-published author goes through mm -hmm. and some things to help other self-published authors so yeah, a plethora of things. I'm co-writing a um, a serial killer novel, and I'm also in my own serial killer novel. So just a little bit of 
Well, holy balls, CJ. <laughs> like yeah. I told you before I push record, um, you know, I typically get the opportunity to do a little bit of stalking. <laughs> I know you and I are a part of a couple of um, groups on Facebook, and I have had the opportunity to um, see a bit of you on there, but I didn't get the opportunity to go uh, stalk you just so I could be a little bit more enlightened. So just to simply do a Google search of your name and see all these books come up is like, wow, I'm in, I'm in the space of a, like you're on Goodreads. I, other than myself, I've never met, maybe no one has come out and told me that they're, you know, I surely I've met someone that's on Goodreads, but you're on Goodreads. Wow. Like, <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, um, I did a little stalking of my, of my own before I came on because I was like, I need to know more about Jennifer. <laughs> and I could, I was like, I cannot believe somebody did a book report about your book. Oh like, my God. I know. Was, I, I was like, oh my God, she's famous. Like people are doing book reports <laughs> about her. <laughs> I know. Like it hasn't even been a year since my book has published and a, a middle schooler is doing a book report on my book, did a book report on my book. Oh man. Yeah. That is That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I know. I know. So how long you said um, you ended up having to, after I believe your words were like, um, you know, you're holding all of this stuff in that needed to be dealt with. And then it was finally time to deal with it. Uh, I, I think you said you had to go, you went and seen someone. Is that right? Yeah. Um, How long was it like that? Or what was it that like triggered like, all right, I got to do something about this. So I knew for a whole year that I was retiring. Um, mentally, I was still full on military. I loved it to the core. Like I was 19, the military raised me. You know, I I was number one non-select for E8. And they told me the next year I was going to make E8, no problem. You know, I was eventually going to be an E9, <laughs> all that stuff. I was there. But physically, I couldn't do it no more. I had a lot of physical ailments that was telling me, you, you got to go. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there's no fixing what, what's going on with your body. You need to leave. Um, so I was coming to terms with that and I knew a year out that I was retiring because I had my retirement papers all done. So I was applying for jobs and I got accepted to a position at a local community college. So I had a job, I had everything and I thought I was okay. I was transitioning. I left the base on a Thursday and the next Monday I started my job at my civilian uh, position. And I thought I was, everything was great. I was having so much fun and it was about, so I started, that was January. And by April, when we went on spring break, I mean, there was things that started coming up here and there. I was having some like really rage moments. I was in traffic and I was just, oh, I was really, and I'm a really like nice, like happy-go-lucky person. I don't know if you ever see my CJ in the morning videos. I'm like, hey, good morning, six o'clock in the morning. I'm just happy. I got my coffee. Everything is great. But I was in my car and I was just raging against the machine for no reason. I would come home from work and my husband would be like, hey, how was your day? I was like, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to And I was just going at it. And then um, spring break happened and I had a whole week off and I thought, okay, well, I just need a break. Maybe I didn't take 
enough time in between the two and that's what's happening. I'm just dealing with civilians, mm -hmm. right? Um, and no, I laid in bed for that entire week while my husband and his family, a family friend and his dad screamed in our back porch to make me more comfortable against the mosquitoes. And I says, hey, can I help? Because I've worked with civil engineers the whole 20 years. I could pick up hammer, you know? And they're like, no, it's okay, you relax. And I thought, well, I'll, okay, well, I guess I'm useless. And then the, that thought just got in my mind, I'm useless now. Mm -hmm. I walk into my civilian job. I get pushed to the back of the room. I'm not even invite, invited in most meetings. And if I am invited, I'm told to sit down and don't say anything because I don't hold a high enough position to even be able to speak in meetings. And it wasn't their fault. I didn't hold a high enough position, but I wasn't used to that because mm -hmm. I had been an E7 in the military. And even in the, well, in the Air Force, at least, even the E1s and E2s are allowed to speak because their voice matters. And, you know, I just, I didn't fit in. I didn't, nothing. I laid in my bed for that whole week and the kids wanted to talk to me because they were in high school and I was like, I don't care. Just go ask Rudy, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I just, I just don't care. Like, I don't have a purpose. Like, what is the purpose for being here? My husband don't need me. My kids don't need me. They're doing their own thing. You know, I mean, the job don't need me. I'm still on terminal leave at this point. So if, if I went to sleep and didn't wake up, I didn't want to die. But I didn't give a shit if I was there or not because nobody needed me. I was invisible to the world. Uh -huh. And I was on terminal leave. So if something happened, well, why did it matter? Everyone was going to get $400,000. Right? So I said, yeah, this isn't right. This can't be right. I knew that there was more. So I, um, I, I sat with my husband you know, right before spring break was over. And I said, Rudy, this, this can't, this cannot be life. He says, yeah, you haven't left, you know, in a week, you haven't left the room. Something's, something's going on with you. You should probably talk to somebody. He had been in the army before, but 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he followed me around the last five years of my military career. But in his, you know, he's old school infantry army. He got out and he went through that transition, but he was like, just deal with it, you know? So, um, but he was like, yeah, you should probably talk to somebody. Because I told him, I says, I just want to get in my truck. Because I had an old beat up 95 Chevy. And I said, I want to get in my truck with Roscoe and just drive and not look back and not give a shit about you or the kids. I said, nothing against you, but I'm done. Like, I don't care. I don't care if it goes off a damn cliff. He goes, yeah, you should talk to somebody. So I went to the VA and I got an appointment and probably about for six months, I went in once a week and we got, they gave me um, stuff for anti-depression and anti-anxiety. And it just started, it just started getting better. And probably about a year later, I, I left that job and went five hours away, left the family and worked five hours away and stayed in a little apartment by myself. Um, just kind of deal with the residual of all of it. Mm -hmm. And the family was still together, but I, I needed to be away for a little while. And it just, and then COVID hit. And 
just everything got a lot better. I find it. Better. I find I find it wild. I'm not surprised, like being a veteran and and what I know now, but it, it is wild to um, see how twenty years, twenty years in the military, like none of that came out, and then like that transition to civilian life that was the trigger or like the moment when your body whatever it is like but maybe the moment of your body like finally not masking it anymore and Mm -hmm. and seeing it come to the surface that's again like I said even though it seems wild I'm not surprised you know having known about the hard transition for a soldier but it's interesting also how you say I'm gonna need to come up with better adjectives other than interesting um (laughs) well I did try to talk to somebody when I was in I went yeah I went to talk to a doctor and and I told him I says I need to talk to somebody and I talked to him and I said but I'm uncomfortable with switching and talking to a new psychologist psychiatrist every single time I come here because every single time I come here I'm going to have to talk tell someone the backstory every single time oh my god yes so he was like I understand that you know it'd be me and you and then at the end of that appointment he says well I'm about to go on deployment so I'll have to schedule you with somebody else for the next one Mm. so I left and I'm at the, that time, I had grown up and I was told by my leadership, I mean, I worked in a male dominant field. I was, I had become a single parent and not in a good way became a single parent. I had to basically not leave in the night, but I had to tell him he was moving into base housing with me in order for him not to know that I was leaving. And then the harassment started and the threats against my life started. And then I was told to be nice to him. I, all these things. And I had a boss tell me, don't tell me what's going on. I don't want to have to go to court if something happens. I had to show the cops to his house when he tried to commit suicide. I'm like, I'm the battered wife. Hello, why am I showing you to his house? I mean, all kinds of things. And, and when I tried to talk to someone, um, I was being put on certain duties because I was asking for help. So, oh, hell. So, I quit. I quit asking for help. I quit letting them know anything was happening because it was compromising my ability to raise my children as a single parent. So, I just, I sucked it up. I mean, I had a chief who I took my gas mask off because of a panic attack. And he said, he jumped underneath the desk and he said, put your fucking gas mask back on before I kick you out of my Air Force. I put it back on. And then he pulled me aside after the, we were in an exercise, he pulled me aside afterwards and he said, come on, me and the first sergeant is taking you to talk to a, a psychologist. They, they forced me to go talk to somebody. And I did. And the doctor, after talking, he, he deemed that I wasn't a risk or anything. So they didn't have to force me to talk to anybody. And that was it. But I mean, those were the type of things that I was dealing with when I was the only female at some of the places mm-hmm. that I worked. So it was like, do I, I had, I didn't have a family I could go back to and ask for help. 
and it was me and the kids. I had nowhere else to go. So I had to make it work. That structural stigma sucks. Like I had recently had uh, Michael Hood on here, another fellow veteran, and he talked about how, um, you know, going to see mental health when he was on active duty and then being approached by his higher up, like, uh, did you go see mental health? And the, and them like, you know, it's almost, it's held against you. Like you're seen as a, a liability almost. Um, well, you are, you are seen as a liability. And um, that sucks. That really sucks that instead of, um, you know, just kind of understanding that a soldier is a human as well and uh and having that deal with it mindset and put your mask back on that stinks that uh there's so many people that have dealt with uh being doubted and seen as a liability just because you are human and you have you have health too you have mental health and physical health and if you would have broke your leg they would have sent you, well, maybe sent you to sit call after you ran a couple miles, but you know, like <laughs> same thing for mental health. It stinks that, that, that structural, structural stigma within uh, the military. And then honestly, outside of the military for anybody that's experienced it at their job and just again, seen as a liability. Yeah. No, once I retired, I, it was like this you know, in the beginning, when I started talking to somebody, I was kind of real quiet about it and private about it. And then I got into uh, the group that we're in. And I seen so many people being loud and proud about it. And then I was kind of like, you know, if anyone has an effing problem about it, well, guess what, I really don't care. And I just started becoming so free, so much freer about not caring what anyone thinks about. And that's when I started writing more. And I started the podcast and I started the magazine and that's when the smile came back. You know, that's when I realized that nobody's paying my damn bill. So why should I give a shit what they say, what they think about me and my mental health? Because I may not, I have social anxiety, which when I get close proximity of people, I get all clammy. I can't sit in a regular office because if you come around the corner and come into my cubicle, I'm like, whoa, why did you just come in here like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. announce yourself. Don't come on. Don't mm -hmm. drop in my cubicle. So I work from home. And that's okay. Because guess what? I can work circles around all you people in cubicles. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not like you. Like, that doesn't... <laughs> I'm, and I'm not saying that for me, but that's like for us to say to other people, like, yeah. it's okay that I can't work in a cubicle. Yeah. I'm just not like you, yeah. you know, it, writing uh, the one book, not 22 yet, Chris CJ, but <clears throat> writing the one book that I wrote so far over the last, <laughs> uh, that was published last July, um, overcoming that fear and those stigmas and 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 how how people would see me and and the all the ugly of me that is in there um the real the good the bad and the ugly that was that was scary and then finally getting to the point of like it's okay like I don't care like this is me and this is who I am and and I'm feeling called to put this down to hopefully help somebody else and so yeah I admire that, CJ. Way to 
Way to be a boss, babe. So I have a question going, backing it up, backing it up, backing it up. You were saying that your husband is an old school uh, veteran, you know, had served 10 years before you and kind of had more of a mindset of like, deal with it before he had finally said like, you need to, maybe you should go see somebody. When does he still have the deal with it mindset or through you and your journey is he able to see that deal with it isn't an option yeah so he had been dealing with a lot of his own mental health things that he suffered through while his time in the army he was infantry he went through um, infantry training and then he went to Panama and he was deployed in Belize and a couple other places and he never dealt with his own stuff mm-hmm. and through seeing me open up and me talk about stuff and be so free and open. And I finally told him straight. I mean, I just told him straight, you need, look, you're a grumpy ass. Man. Like mm-hmm. you're just miserable and you're miserable because you're not dealing with stuff. You need to talk to somebody or you're going to be a lonely man. Was this before like, or after? No, after, way after, way after. After after I went through my own stuff, after I left the, that job because it wasn't feeding my soul, I went up, after I went up and sat in that apartment and I did a lot of praying on my knees alone in that mm-hmm. apartment and then come back when COVID hit and I was finding, I had found myself in that apartment and, um, and then we were coming all coming back together as a family and he and I just said you you know I found myself I've found my center I'm not perfect to have my days but now I'm realizing that you haven't found yourself yet Mm -hmm. we had some really long heart to hearts and he sought help and yeah and it's and it's wonderful because he had been living with it way longer than me way longer than me because he got out and August of 2001, right before September 11th. Wow. Wow. Well, that's incredible. You know, like when, when I did decide to put my words down on paper, I thought to myself, like, if I just help one person on this mission, then, then that will make me happy. And for you, like just that story there alone, you already helped at least one person you know someone that is such an integral part of your life and and maybe never would have got there without you going through your struggle and your journey and your post-traumatic growth so that's incredible I hope that I if we're being real and honest here and hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode (laughs) I hope that uh (laughs) I will have that same effect on my husband, who is also a combat veteran. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that I will have that effect. Oh, it's hard. It is. It's harder with people that you're the closest to. It it definitely is, you know, because it, it took a lot of moments of, is this it? But sticking it out. And knowing yeah. that it was it was worth the struggle. Right. Right. And just waiting and being patient for when it is their time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
one one thing that you said that's beautiful you should see my notes on this paper it's a hot <laughs> mess hot mess I just try and jot stuff down and when I hear it that that resonates with me and it's so beautiful how you said like that's when the smile came back like that is incredible I hope that everyone listening and watching this can feel and experience that you know mm. that's so you wrote 2,000 books well <laughs> to what 22 before, before I hit 100 absolutely <laughs> so but you know I, I just want to be clear because a lot yeah. of people so I write novellas so not novels I'm not a novel girl because I'm I'm I make this reference and a lot of people laugh they're like whoa that's a little too much but I call it straight in no kissing because I, I get in I tell the story and I get out like I, I'm not a novel girl I don't do 40 that's to 60,000 <laughs> yeah. I do like 20,000 words and less that's probably why I have 20 books so 22 books so oh don't downplay yourself girl don't downplay yourself like, that's incredible I love a short story and it's probably because of my ADD that I love a short absolutely story. and there are I call it straight in no kids <laughs> I love it I love it um so and you're you got your own how long how long have you had your podcast so we started and your magazine it, we started the podcast November 2020 and we are on issue number three of the author's porch magazine just released January 1st of 2022 and the first issue came out july of 2021 we issue every quarter we have author features book reviews all kinds of amazing things so our next issue is coming out april of 2022 and um we're already accepting articles people are already submitting for it awesome we'll make yeah. sure we put all that stuff into the show notes the links to watch your podcast, listen to your podcast, um, check out your magazine and uh, how to be featured in it. That's super cool. Yeah, in each art, each issue always features a, um, I always do an editorial review of one, if not two veteran books that I do myself. I personally do a review on uh, mm -hmm. for free because I always want to make sure I give back to the veterans as a veteran myself. Last, uh, the January issue had Ryan Hendrickson's Tip of the Spear. That book's life-changing. Like that that one to give you. Those. Okay, hold on. Let me get my pen ready. <laughs> Ryan, what? Hendrickson. Tip of the Spear. And, yeah, that, that book right there. And I'm telling you, if, read it or not read it, but listen to it in audio book because it will change your life it did mine all right well good thing i have an audible subscription same same <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you for letting me know that um okay so for cj and uh the things that you do to fill your soul other than writing and connecting with others on the podcast and reading because clearly we're both book nerds um one of the things i like to ask my guests 
on my podcast is like what you do for your physical, mental, and spiritual like self-care. I I feel like that's something to be highlighted. It's very important for all of us, but I also hope that some of the things that um, we say will give ideas to other people. What do you do for spiritual, mental, physical wellness that you know have been helpful and um, are a part of your success so that you try to continue to implement regularly? So for my spiritual, um, I'm a faithful person. I'm not a religious person because, and the reason is because I don't believe in the um, institution of religion, but I do have my, my faith. My faith Mm -hmm. um, is my God and my God keeps me straight every single day. I write my scriptures down. I read them. I, I have my conversations with my higher being. And I make sure that I ground myself every single day and know who I am, what I'm working towards and what I'm doing. And I have other people who have the same belief system as me. I grew up with a Christian, I grew up with a Christian background, but me myself, I don't follow one religious faith only because the institution of faith of religion itself has been convoluted. That's just my personal beliefs. Sure. Um, I believe in every religion that's out, every faith system that's out there and as far as the physical, um, I wouldn't say that I have a routine. Unfortunately, this is one piece that I fall very short on because of my chronic pain. But I have a little dog who's um, handicapped on Mother Day, Mother's Day of this year or of last year. He became paralyzed. So he keeps me kind of busy picking him up, putting him down, walking him around the yard in his little wheelchair. I call it it's a stroller, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I have a treadmill that I walk on as much as I can without um, without putting myself in more pain. Mm-hmm. So I wish I could do more. And when I can get in with my chiropractor, as, much, as long as I get the vouchers and stuff like that, then I get on that treadmill as much as possible. But um, I will say that that's one area that I, I fail the most in is the physical. Well, I wasn't expecting you to give an, an example for all three categories, <laughs> physical, mental, and spiritual, but you definitely are nailing it. <laughs> How about, uh, uh, so for mentally, you say you like ground yourself daily on who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. like, is, does that, does that look more like just meditate, like talking to yourself and like being in touch with how you feel and what's going on? Yeah, so I wake up in the morning, I, walk, I drink my cup of coffee, I, I watch the morning news, David Muir, ABC News. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> one cup of coffee? I, I only have one cup of caffeinated coffee a day, only because... Caffeinated, um, gotcha. Yeah, now decaf, you can have that all day. I, um, okay. But one cup of caffeinated coffee a day, and then I watch my morning news, which is actually the nightly news with David Muir on ABC. If you hear this, call me David Muir because we need to do a newscast. But anyways... but I watch that and then I go about getting ready while I'm getting ready I'm having a conversation inside my head and I'm not crazy yet but I have this conversation inside my head of what I'm grateful for and I this all started (laughs) this all started because of a 12-week communication 
class that I went to, I went on a course, a 12 week, that 12 week communication course, um, master talk. And it's a good friend of mine, Brendan K. I call him because his last name is, is very hard to say. <laughs> God bless him. And every day when we started this course once a week, they said, what are you grateful for? Before we even start getting into the communicating, how to be a better communicator, all this mm -hmm. fancy high tech stuff, what are you grateful for? Mm -hmm. And you don't expect that because you're paying a lot of money for this class to be a better communicator. How can I be a better talker? Because that's my, my job for the podcast, right? And, and I just stuck with it. So I started doing uh, as much as I can um, a daily gratitude live. And that's what CJ in the morning is. And I, well, I do it in my head first, but sometimes I'll start getting, I'm grateful for this, but I need to tell these people this and I'll get all grumpy a little bit, right? And I'll realize that there's something not sitting right in my spirit. I may be grateful for some stuff, but I'm also feeling a little mm, like I'm like grateful, uh, but, rage against the machine. Yep. I'm grateful for this, but I need people to know that you can be grateful, but you're also ungrateful for this. You're all, and I'm mm -hmm. feeling a little uh, in my spirit. So what I do is when I'm feeling that I'm going through this whole storyline about what I'm going to talk about on my CJ in the morning. And I'm feeling a little ungrateful, I guess, in my spirit. And I'll come and I'll find a, a verse in, in the Bible that helps me just kind of ground myself a little bit more and feel a little bit better. And then when I'm having those moments, I don't go live a lot of times because I just need to be in the silence, I guess, mm -hmm. because my mind isn't in the right place. It's just busy. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of, and then on the mornings when I'm just feeling fully alive and, and, and not pain or any of the busy, then I get on and I talk to everybody that, that's mm -hmm. willing to come on and see me in the morning. So is it every morning? It's not every morning. I try to every morning, but when I wake up and, and my mind's busy or the pain is just too much and I'm just kind of boom. <laughs> is it your podcast or live Facebook? It's right on my Facebook page. I take it to the podcast format, but I just do it right on my personal Facebook page and my author Facebook page. It's called CJ in the morning and I talk about gratitude and I talk about coffee and just whatever is on my mind. That's fantastic. I can't wait to check that out. Yeah. Very cool. Um, you know, speaking of uh, Bible verses, so celebrate the struggle, the name of my podcast, uh, where it was derived from. First of all, that the Bible verse, James 1, 2, which is um, and I'm about to put it in Jennifer Hobbs international version, but it says <laughs> celebrate the hard times for, you know, that the hard times will bring perseverance and, uh, perseverance brings strength. And, um, like that was a huge turning point in my life, which I talk about, uh, in the book where, um, that came to me at the perfect time in my life. And, and I was like almost, uh, super lost and almost, uh, throwing a pity party and mm. like, what do I do? Like, how do I even, I'm so scared. And then I, I did this women's Bible book study, totally stepped out of my comfort zone, 
went to the local church where I hardly knew anyone and, and did a women's Bible study on the book of James. And it was seriously like the first day, maybe second where, um, that we came across that verse and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized, wow, like stop being a bitch. Okay. (laughs) Like, you need to be happy in these, in these hard times that you're going through because you know that it's going to be okay. And, and that everything you've gone through in your life, that's been hard and challenging has made you who you are. And, and so that verse, uh, really resonated with me. And, and, uh, as I was trying to, when I just you know, someone had asked me, I'm not trying to make this about myself right now, but I talk to a lot. I never know when to shut up, shut up either. But, um, when someone had said to me, well, probably nine months ago or so, uh, you know, you should really think about doing your own podcast. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) It's not for me. And then, um, I started to want more ways to share my voice, but not just my voice, but to encourage, you know, everyone's not going to write a book, uh, that I just, cause they don't want to, I, it's not that they can't it's just that not everybody wants to, you know, mm-hmm. write a book or any sort of, uh, magazine or any platform to share their voice. So I wanted to be able to have some place where people could share their story, um, and offer, understanding and and hope to other people and I took forever thinking about the title and I just kept coming back to celebrate the struggle uh not just from that verse James 1 2 but it's also the last three words of my book and Mm. and I just knew I just knew like no it has to be this it has to be this because this is what I want it to be I want people to share their stories and and get comfortable with the uncomfortable and and Mm. let's not beat around the bush let's let's talk about them so that's my little side note on bible verses and how uh that that's where the title of celebrate the struggle came from and and i don't think i've shared that on any of the other podcasts so there's a little tidbit of information for the listeners i think that's beautiful it is, and that's such a beautiful verse and so yeah. true so true like every time we fall every time we're having our our lame days like it doesn't matter someone said to me the other day like it doesn't matter if you if you crawl walk or run you just get mm-hmm. back up you just mm-hmm. get back up yeah and you have to because somebody somebody out there needs to see you fall and even more they need to see you get back up wow that's but I think there's another bible verse that I want to share with you because I think it belongs to you as well and and I call it my verse because it it it, it's been my verse for a very long time um, when I told you I sat in that apartment up in um, San Antonio, actually, because I went to work for a university up in that area. And I sat in that, it was, it didn't even have a bedroom. It was a studio apartment. I was all by myself. And I sat up there and I studied the Bible a lot and I would fast and I would ask for words to help me understand what my purpose was. 
And I, this, this verse flashed in front of my eyes as I was sleeping. It's Jeremiah 1, 9. I mean, not flashed in front of my eyes, but like it, it came to me. Other verses would come to me audibly in my sleep, but this one came to me. It's Jeremiah 1. This is the book, and I still write in this book because it's not full yet. So I still write all my verses. I love Chevron. <laughs> I, I still write verses in this until it's full because what I do is I take the verses and I interpret them and, and what they mean to me. And I'll eventually will publish it one day. But Jeremiah 1.9 says, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. And the way I interpret it is speak as a vessel for the Lord so the people may listen and be brought closer to him. Do not blaspheme or give false witness. Ensure that the fault that you follow his words and do not forsake the journey he has set before you. That, you know, I really needed to hear that today. I really needed to hear that. that today, this month, this year. I think that's for you as well. I think that that's another reason why you need to do this. <laughs> if you knew about the conversation like I had this morning and things, you would you would know that there's a reason why you were you were encouraged to tell me that. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh man. Well, <clears throat> You know, one of the questions, I got to be honest with you, just because I'm, I'm an honest person and kind of a hot mess. Uh, one of the questions that I have on my, my list of questions that I'm kind of debating on, like, getting rid of is um, I've typically been asking people, like, um, what their hopes and dreams are, like, if money and resources weren't an option, what their hopes and dreams are. However, the reason why I'm thinking about like getting rid of it is because like, I don't want people to feel like in the conversations I've had, I, I don't want to send a message of like, okay, you've done this, but now what, you know, like, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and so, um, I'm definitely working on like editing that, but like, so you have a podcast, you have a magazine, what, what do we, what do you hope to see from CJ and, and from um, the purpose and mission that's been put on your heart to share with the world? Again, you're going to have to help me modify this question, but let's, let's hear what you got. <laughs> you know, I, I want the magazine to be a place where everyone's welcome, regardless of how high they are in their career. I didn't create it as a place where you got to pay thousands of dollars to get into. And unless your publicist knew the editor in chief, that's the only way you got in. I wanted the 50 or 60 year old author who wrote the book for the first time that is scared to death to get on camera because they don't like the way their face looks, but they wrote a book and they love it more than anything be able to get in the magazine because mm -hmm. they believe in themselves you know I, my, my first book if you were to read it I drew it myself it's horrible it's it's horrible I'm telling you but I love it like <laughs> it has my whole heart it has so many spelling errors and grammar errors it's it's horrible it's it's so funny that's, <laughs> that's how funny it is 
but I want it to be a place where people believe again in themselves. That's what I want it to be. I want it to be where people know that they belong, you know, and the same thing with the podcast. I put the link right on the website for people to book themselves. That's how it is. You book yourself. Oh, I'm such a sissy. (laughs) And I have, I have publicists that email me and I send them the booking link that's on the website that Cindy go lightly from nowhere, Texas books herself who wrote Uh her first book. You know, I've had nine year olds on the show. Their grandma booked them. that's awesome because we all have a place in this world and I need everyone to realize that that's that's what I want it to be I don't ever want it to die the author's porch wasn't created for CJ by CJ it was created by CJ for the community and Mm -hmm. I want it to go well past me I want it to be here when I'm gone I want more people to be involved in it I don't want it just to be CJ I want the whole community to wrap its arms around it and want to be involved in it because they want everyone to have a spot. That's what I want it to be. Well, geesh, drop the mic again, CJ, like you, that was an incredible answer. I admire, I, I admire that so much. And I also feel like you and I are on similar paths because what I hear in your answer is something that I read in a book uh, a year and a half ago. Let's see, a year and a half ago, yes, as I was researching um, post-traumatic growth. I was reading uh, Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma by Ken Falk and Josh Goldberg. And something they say in there that I'm hearing through and through in your words that I uh am on a mission to do. They say that the pinnacle of success is not when you've made it to the tip top of that mountain, you know, whatever that looks like for you, six figures, blah, blah, blah. But the pinnacle of success is when you turn right back around, go back down that mountain and you help someone else get up that mountain. And that's what I want to be. And I can hear your story and your journey that we have that in common and that is beautiful I'm so lucky to have had you on here and I can't wait to check out CJ in the morning although I'm going to be the one over here with my caffeinated coffee on mute like this tramp needs to calm it down <laughs> no i i need to go back to bed what the hell's wrong with me in the, happy in the morning <laughs> i i can't wait to check it out i'm so grateful that you were on here and um i just can't i just can't thank you enough and um thank you for coming on here to get comfortable with the uncomfortable share your story uh so much of that I can relate to and I'm sure other people can like it's beautiful it's beautiful you're beautiful like wow I I look forward to that hundredth book but I I'm honestly CJ in the morning is like is it tomorrow can we do it tomorrow no I'm just kidding I I won't pressure you I won't pressure you I won't pressure you 
Why did I think tomorrow was Saturday? <laughs> I don't. Dude, I don't, I don't even know. Oh, my God. Don't ask me what day it is. Oh All I know <laughs> is it's a school day, and my kids aren't quarantined anymore, and they are out of the house. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Mine are in college. <laughs> oh, man, I, I really hope COVID doesn't take over again and send my kids back home, because otherwise, we're, we're going to need to do some virtual mental health appointments and be concerned <laughs> about some things. <laughs> Well, CJ, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that with us and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being amazing and providing this beautiful space.